Today we're going to continue our series on the Ten Commandments. Today we're going to deal with commandment number three and number four. But before we do so, I want to send a very warm greeting to our television audience across North America. I want to send a special greeting to Garwin and Mary Lee McNeilis, freezing in Minneapolis today. It's raining here in Southern California, it's about 60 degrees, but in Minneapolis, where Garwin and Mary Lee are, it's 60 degrees too, 60 below. <laughs> we want to tell them that God is going to help them to live there, and uh, they should migrate down here to Southern California. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to know we have a great support base across North America. And as somebody was fond of saying, it's a great family to belong to. When I travel around the world and meet Christians who love Jesus, who love the truth of the word, I think of those words, it's just a great family to belong to. And this church here, I want to say to each of you, is a great family to belong to. Why the Ten Commandments? Why should a person want to keep the Ten Commandments? Why did God give us the Ten Commandments? When we lived in Sydney, we lived at 201 the Kamanara Parkway, Warunga. You think that's funny? Warunga? What about names like these? Woolamaloo? <laughs> that wasn't too far from us. We lived at Warunga. That isn't that far from Woolamaloo. Uh, Tangaluma, uh, Woolen Gabber, Kulen Gatta, and you can go on and on and on. These are Aboriginal names. We lived on a very, very busy road, 201 the Kamanara Parkway, and in those days, Julie, who has graduated as a nurse now, was just a little girl going to primary school. We said to Julie, Julie, you must never walk across this road by yourself. Why? Because we love her. We knew that if she walked across that road as the cars came down in great haste, she could easily be killed. And so we gave her some rules. We said, Julie, here is rule number one. You must never cross the Kamanara Parkway by yourself. We told her this not because we wanted to take something from her, but because we loved her. The commandments of God are given to us by a gracious God because he loves us. Now one can never say this too much, that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. We are saved by the work of Jesus on our behalf. But a person who was saved by grace through faith alone because of the grace of God will want to obey God and keep his commandments. And these commandments were not given back in the book of Exodus to a race of slaves. They were given to people who had been redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb. The commandments are given to redeemed people. And you cannot appreciate the commandments of God until you have been redeemed. I want you to please come over here to the book of Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17 and 18, if you don't mind, please, and it's good to see you turn the pages of the Bible. Would you please come to Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17 and 18. And God here talks about the relationship between love and obedience. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, 
I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is, what does it say? What is best for you. God wants the best for his children. He wants the best for us because he loves us. Who teaches you what is best for you. Who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands. Your peace would have been like a river. Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. God says, do you want to be happy? Do you want to have peace? Then the Bible says, obey the commandments of God. I want you to visualize today, my dear friend, a beautiful river. I want you to think of the peace and the tranquility. And the Bible says, if you want peace and tranquility, then keep the commandments of God and your peace will be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. I wonder, what does it mean? Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. On Wednesday night, I had a marvelous experience. I was out of town, and I was staying in a motel that overlooks the Pacific Ocean. And on Wednesday night where I was staying, there was a gale blowing, and there was a great sea running. And late at night, around... 10.30 or 11 o'clock, I decided that I would go down the stairs because the hotel is on the top of some cliffs. I would go down the stairs and see how the sea was doing. I love the sea. Don't you love the sea? I love a wild sea. And on Wednesday night with a gale blowing, there was a wild sea. And so I went down the stairs and I couldn't get on the beach because the sea was coming in the tide was breaking up on the cliffs. But I climbed, it was about 11, I climbed over some of the boulders and the, the tide was breaking up over the boulders. So I, I climbed over some of the boulders and I found a little cave in the wall of the cliff. And I pulled myself up into the little cave and even then the waves were breaking up, breaking, just getting into the cave. But it was quite safe as long as I didn't fall into the ocean. But I stood there for a long time and I listened to the thunder of the waves. And I thought of the great power of our great God. I thought to myself, this illustrates as nothing really can. The great power of our God. The Bible says, if you keep the commandments of God, you're going to have the power of the living God in your life. So why has God given us these commandments? He has given us these commandments not because he wants to take anything from us, but because he wants us to be filled with love and joy and peace and power and happiness. So would you please turn now to the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to notice the third commandment. Last week, of course, we spoke on the first and the second commandments. And today we're going to deal with the third and the fourth commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Here God thunders from Mount Sinai and God says the words, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. It says in the King James Version, You shall, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
So here we have a commandment that exalts the name of God. And the Bible tells me, my friend, that we can take his name in vain in two ways. We can do it in word and we can do it in deed. What is so important about the name of God? God's name is holy. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of visiting a, a, a scribe as he copied the sacred scriptures, not translated, but copied the Hebrew letters. And I saw him copying the, the actual words of the Old Testament. And he came to the name of the Almighty God, YHWH, which is translated somewhat roughly Jehovah, or more accurately, Yahweh. In our Bibles, it is translated by the capitals L-O-R-D. That is not a translation, but the translators have done their best and they have put the name of God in capitals, Lord. And when he came to this word, Y-H-W-H, I actually said to him, I'm interested in seeing you copying the words for Yahweh. And the Jewish scribe and scholar went white. He blanched. He said, we never even mention his name. His name is too sacred and his name is too holy. We do not mention his name. He said, we have a tradition that the high priest on the day of atonement, one day of the year, mention his name. Only then, only then. Who is he? He is the great self-existent one, the holy mighty God, the savior of men, the sovereign Lord, the judge of all the earth. We ought to be very careful how we mention his name. The book of Isaiah tells us that Isaiah, on one occasion, when he was a young man, saw a vision of the Lord God Almighty. And he heard the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he fell on his face and he said, Woe is me, for mine eyes have seen the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Almighty God. The Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Does it not make you feel uncomfortable when you turn on television and you even hear religious people say in their conversation, My God? Oh my God? And professing Christians in their conversation will say, Oh my God? Something happened to me today. The Bible says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We ought to be careful how we mention his name. The Bible tells us we can take the name of the Lord our God in vain by the lives that we live. Not only by the words that we say. I want you to come with me, if you don't mind please, to the book of Romans. And I want you to come to Romans 2 and verse 17 and onwards. Romans Chapter 2, dear people, dear hearts and gentle people, Romans chapter 2, and here Paul is writing to the believers of his day, the people of the book. Romans chapter 2, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are 
a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the lives that were lived by the believers. If a person takes the name of Jesus, but is dishonest, and gossips, and lies, the Bible says he is blaspheming the name of God because he is taking the name of God in vain. By the lives that believers live, the name of God can and is blasphemed. But in the same way, by the lives that believers live, the name of God can be glorified in the earth. I think of the young man, just a boy, more than a hundred years ago in Europe, whose father was a prince, and in the turmoil, the father was taken away and put to death. And the boy was sent to a school for commoners. But he was a prince. And in this school, the children swore and they cursed and they cheated and they were liars. But this boy would not stoop to those practices. And one day the headmaster called him in and he said, Why don't you cheat like the rest of the boys? Why don't you steal like the rest of the boys? And the little fellow said, because I am the son of a prince and I cannot do it. Thus he brought honor to his family and to his father. I am the son of a prince. When a child of God says, I will not cheat, I will not steal, I will be dependable. You can trust me because I will demonstrate my trustworthiness by the grace of God, then God is glorified. The Bible says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Would you come now to the very center of the commandments of God? Would you come to Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 and onwards, please, if you don't mind. Exodus chapter 20. And verses 8 and onwards. This is the commandment that talks about the Sabbath. Exodus 20, verse 8. Before we read it, listen to this. We spoke about something like this last Sabbath. In the very center of the world, God had a nation. What was the name of that nation? Israel. In the very center of the land of Israel, there was a city. What was the city? Jerusalem. In the very center of the city, God placed something. What did he place in the center of Jerusalem? The temple. In the very center of the temple, what do we find? The most holy place. 
in the very center of the most holy place, what do we find? We find the Ark of the Testimony. The Ark of the Ten Commandments. And so in the very center of the world, in the center of Jerusalem, in the center of the sanctuary, you have the Ark of God. In, and in the very center of the Ark of God, the Ten Commandments. Listen to this. Because in the very center of the Ten Commandments, you have the Sabbath commandment. If you go through the Ten Commandments in the Hebrew language, and if you actually count up the words, you'll find that the very center of the Ten Commandments is the commandment that God says, remember. Because this is not my opinion. Almighty God says that the seventh day Sabbath is the very center of true worship. This is of tremendous importance. Now notice these words from God. Exodus 20 verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant nor maidservant, nor nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Listen to this, please. The basis of all true religion is the holy seventh day Sabbath. It stands at the very heart of worship and it directs our eyes to the great creator God whose name is holy. Let us ask some questions and let us answer them from the Bible. The first one is this, which day is the holy Sabbath? We spoke about this in the questions that came in today. Which day is the Holy Sabbath? The Bible says the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. I am perfectly aware that the vast majority of my beloved Christian friends will turn to me and they will say, but this Sabbath day is not important. I want to remind them today this is not my teaching, and it is not the teaching of any church. It is the teaching of Almighty God who spoke the Ten Commandments. And may I remind every person here today and every person watching on television, the holy seventh day Sabbath was kept by all the prophets. It was kept by all the apostles, it was kept by every person in the days of the Bible. It was kept by our Lord Jesus Christ. The seventh day Sabbath commences sunset Friday and goes out sunset Saturday. Every scholar in the world agrees with me. Every scholar. Every astronomer agrees with me. Every person who knows history, agrees with me. The day that Jesus kept was the seventh day. People say, but time has been lost. No, that is not a good enough argument. Time has not been lost. We ask today, 
The question, how can a person really know which is the seventh day? I say, ask the people of the book, the Jews. Because they have been keeping that day, not for hundreds of years, but for thousands of years. And I turn to the Jewish nation and I say, which day is the seventh day? Which is the day that Jesus kept? And they say, it is the day that is commonly called Saturday. Then I turn to my friends in the great Roman Catholic Church and I say to them, pray tell me, which day is the first day of the week? And the Roman Catholic Church says, it is the day of the sun. It is Sunday. It is the day on which Jesus, our Lord, was raised from the dead. And then I go to the millions of the Muslims and I say to them, tell me, which is the sixth day? Because that is their holy day. And they say, it is Friday. If I am going to go according to the word of God, then I need to be keeping the seventh day Sabbath. Now people say, but these commandments were abolished. Now, come on. Come on. Nobody really believes that. People may live like that, but nobody in his own heart believes that. All of the great churches, the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, uh, the Lutheran Church, the Church of England, you can go through all of the great mainstream churches, all of the great churches say that a person who is saved by grace is duty-bound to keep the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments. And that includes the Sabbath. My mother brought me up for a while in the Church of England. My father wanted me to be brought up in the Roman church, but I was brought up in the Church of England for a while. Did you know this? That when the priest of the Church of England goes through the commandments, which he always does, he reads through the commandments and he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And then he pauses, and the congregation says the words, Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. All the great churches have taught that a person ought to keep the Sabbath. And there's no question at all, the Sabbath is the seventh day, which is Saturday, if you go to Africa, you'll find that there are millions of Christians there, the Coptic Christians, who are still keeping the same Sabbath that Jesus kept. That's Saturday. Why do so many keep Sunday? Well, the Bible says in Daniel 7.25 that the Antichrist would think himself capable or able or powerful enough to change the times and the law. The Sabbath was changed by a great church, the church of the dark ages. It wasn't changed by Jesus. It wasn't changed by the apostles. It was changed by the church of the dark ages. There is no text in the Bible that says that Sunday is the Lord's day or that the apostles kept Sunday in honor of the resurrection. Let me say it again because this is a powerful statement. There is no text in the Bible that says that Sunday is the Lord's day or that the apostles kept Sunday in honor of the resurrection. If there is, write to me and show it to me. And I've read this book through 
dozens of times. There is no text for Sunday keeping in the Bible. We do not say this critically of our Sunday keeping friends, but we say it because it is the truth. I remember when I was over in Rome some time ago doing a movie called The Astounding World of the Prophets with a little television crew. I went down in the catacombs and there was a distinguished gentleman who was showing us around. I said, are you just a guide? He said, I am at present. But he knew so much. I knew he was not just a guide. I said, what do you really do? He said, I'm a priest. Ah, I thought you must have been a priest. What do you do as a priest? He said, I'm a professor of theology. I teach in one of our great Roman universities. And he was a Christian gentleman. I said, tell me, my friend, how is a person saved? Are we saved by faith plus works? He said, no, we're saved by a faith that works. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. I said, that sounds like Martin Luther. He said, I do not care what it sounds like. It is the truth. And there down in the catacombs under Rome, I said to him, if I'm saved by grace through faith alone, should I keep the commandments? He said, yes, indeed. Every Christian saved by grace through faith alone will want to obey the commandments. So I said to him, if this is so, should I keep the Sabbath? He said, indeed, if you are reasonable and biblical. And I said, if I should keep the Sabbath, what day is the Sabbath? He said, it is the seventh day, commonly called Saturday. Mm -hmm. and the, words, the words of a Roman Catholic priest, I said, this astounds me. Are you the only one here in Rome who believes this? He said, no, many of my colleagues know these things. Many of my colleagues know these things. The seventh day is a Sabbath. I can think of one of my friends who came to one of my meetings. After hearing this truth, he went to the great church, met there one of the leaders of the church who had married him and his wife, and he said, I've been to some meetings, and the man is saying that our church changed the Sabbath. He said, tell me, Father, did our church change the Sabbath? He told me that old gentleman leaned back in his swivel chair, stuck his thumbs in his waistcoat, laughed and said, of course we did. Who else would dare to? Of course we did. Who else would dare to? Why did God give us the Sabbath? And remember this, my friend, it is the only commandment that God says, remember, because it is the commandment that God knew we'd forget it. Why God gave us the Sabbath. Number one, as a memorial of creation, he says, keep the Sabbath, for in six days I made heaven and earth. He said, keep the Sabbath because you'll never then forget that you are special and that I made you. People have asked me, what do you think was the sermon that touched the hearts of the communists and the Russians more than anything else? Would you like to know? It was a sermon on creation. When I turned to the KGB officers, and I've turned to more than a million, one and a half million Russians and Ukrainians, and I've cried out and I've said to them, Contrary to what you have been taught by Marx and Lenin, you are not a machine. You are not an animal. You are a child of God. God made you. You're important.
you're important. And the seventh day Sabbath says, I made you. You're important. The Sabbath was made for a second reason, to point us to the Creator as a sign of loyalty. Ezekiel 20.20 says, keep my Sabbaths, because the Sabbath is a sign between you and me. They, they are the words of the Bible. The Bible says the seventh day Sabbath is a sign of loyalty to God. When you come to church here today, you're telling the world, I belong to Christ. Ezekiel 20, 20, it is a sign. It is not what a church teaches. It's what the Bible teaches. I like the story of the little old lady in the American Civil War who started off for the front carrying a broomstick, and they said, Granny, you're not going to do much good with a broomstick. But she said, at least I'll know what side I'm on. You may say, there's not much I can do. My friend, keep the Sabbath. Let the world know what side you're on. Ezekiel 20:20. God gave us the Sabbath to give us rest from our toil and our labor. Jesus said, come unto me, and I will give you Sabbath. That's what he said. I will give you rest. It's the same word. Did you know this? That over in Wales in the last century when they had the great coal mines, they had little ponies. And those little ponies used to go down and work in the mines. And they discovered that those little ponies after a few months went blind because they were working in the dark. And so because they were smart, they brought the ponies up one day a week and the little ponies live longer, and they didn't go blind. If you don't keep the Sabbath, my friend, you're going to go blind. You and I are down there in the mines six days a week, and we're breathing the fumes, and we're under pressure and tension. God says, keep the Sabbath. You think God's trying to take something from you? God wants to give you life and joy. He gave us the Sabbath, reason number four, to lift our spirits through worship, and through the study of the word, every time the bell of the church rings, it ought to say, come to church and be healed. Come to church and be fed. Come to church and be filled with joy. The Bible says, celebrate your Sabbath. Too often, as Beverly said, we have had the idea that if you don't look as though you're in pain, you're not a Christian. Mm -hmm. and being a member of some churches is like a man with a sore head. It hurts him to keep it, but he can't afford to give it up. But there's no joy. Now the Bible says the Sabbath is a celebration day. And if you like chocolate yogurt, if you're going to eat it, eat it on the Sabbath. Celebrate your Sabbaths. Do something on the Sabbath that's going to make you laugh and be glad. Whoever said it was a sin to laugh? The devil, because he's got nothing to laugh about. And those who follow him are groaners and moaners. He gave us the Sabbath point number five to open our hearts to the gospel. Hebrews chapter four says that the seventh day Sabbath represents the gospel. It's the only commandment that represents the gospel. The seventh day Sabbath represents the peace and the joy and the rest that I find in Christ.
Point number six, he gave us the Sabbath to point us to the new earth. God said, when you keep the Sabbath, it reminds you of the day when I made the world. It reminds you of the day when there was a perfect people in a perfect garden with perfect health and strength and no sin. The Sabbath points back to that day and it tells me that one day it's going to happen again. The seventh day Sabbath is a foretaste of heaven. The seventh day Sabbath says one day it's going to be new and perfect and wonderful again. Point number seven. God gave us the Sabbath to bind families together and to enrich our lives through fellowship. No one lives to himself. No one dies to himself. The Sabbath ought to be the happiest day of the week. And our children ought to say, when is it going to be Sabbath? Because it is the best day. The Roman Catholics are right when they say the family that prays together stays together. I want to say the family that prays together and comes to church together and keeps the Sabbath together is going to be a family that stays together and is filled with peace and joy. What a blessing is the Sabbath. There was a little boy who used to go to see his grandfather his grandfather lived a few miles from where he lived and there were lots of electricity poles along the road and the little boy would set out in the heat of summer and he'd walk a couple of hundred yards and then he would shelter in the shade of the lamppost. And when he had rested a little, he would walk a little further and shelter again. He got to see his grandfather by walking and resting. That's how we're going to get to heaven. By walking in the week and by resting on the Sabbath. Listen, the seventh day Sabbath is the rest day. The seventh day Sabbath is the blessed day. God blessed it. It is the rest day, it is the blessed day, and it is the best day because God put a blessing in it it is the rest day, the blessed day, the best day. And for us living in these last hours of earth's history, it is the test day. It is the test day. God came down in fire on Mount Sinai and he said, Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Amen. Please bow your heads. Precious Creator, Father God, thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you for the holy name of God. Forgive us for taking your name in vain. Forgive us, Father for forgetting what you told us to remember. But help us to know today that everything you give us is for our betterment, for our joy and our peace and our happiness. And that the happiest people in this world are the people who love Jesus and who keep his commandments. 
Dear Father, today, help us to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. As we're praying here today, this church, how many would raise a hand and say, Dear God, put so much love in my heart that I will keep your commandments and I'll remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Would you raise your hand if you can tell God today that by his grace you're going to love him, you're going to follow him, and you're going to keep the Sabbath. Dear Father, look at these hands. Please bless these people with the joy and the peace of heaven's Sabbath. For Jesus' sake, amen.